Right now on Amplified, the Engineers Journal podcast, we're about to meet the Managing Director of ORS, John Brennan. Sometimes, you know, engineers get boxed. A couple of previous podcasts that when I listen to, you hear people say, you know, engineers, you know, don't like to put themselves out there. Some, some are like that, absolutely, but some are not, you know, so... I think the key is is understanding that. One of the, one of the keys we found running a successful business is being open to that and realizing that everybody has different wants and needs and just, you know, having the door open to listen to that and being able to adapt to suit them. Hello, my name is Dusty Rhodes and you're welcome to Amplified, the Engineers Journal podcast, where today we're chatting with a man sharing some of his 20 years experience in the business. Currently, he's Managing Director and a part owner at ORS, one of Ireland's leading multidisciplinary building consultancies, which is headquartered in Mullingar, County Westmeath. The company is breaking new ground in engineering practice, has big plans to expand and for two years running has been recognised as one of the best workplaces in Ireland. Let's find out more about the company and the man as we welcome John Brennan. John, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Listen, tell me, what attracted you to the whole business of engineering in the first place? Um, I suppose I I have to go back to my my school days. I was was in secondary school in in Mullingar in the Midlands. And uh, thinking back, I suppose I had a, a very good career guidance teacher at the time, a guy called Mick McCoy, who probably recognised that I was okay at maths and science. So I remember him steering me, steering me that way. I can remember also my, my dad bringing me to um, different career coaches, one or two back then to try and see, you know, what what, what I had a flair for. So yes, I was lucky enough to get into UCD um, and originally I wanted to be a chemical engineer, believe it or not. I was, I was okay at chemistry and UCD have a common first year. And I thank my lucky stars to this day that they do because it enabled me to you know, really get a feel for what type of engineer I wanted to be. So I found that I had more of an affinity to civil engineering than anything else. Mm-hmm. Went back, you know, the second year of college I had to choose and I got some great advice off one of the founders of ORS and because I'd been there as a, as a student. So he, he helped me decide. So I picked civil, like structural as well, but just preferred the civil, everything to do with fluids, hydraulics, blood risk and that kind of thing. So yeah, I qualified in 2003 as a, a civil engineer. So when you started then working professionally and coming up the ranks as a designer, um, was there any particular job that gave you certain satisfaction? You know, kind of like when you go from the theory of university and you're into the real world and you have a job and you're kind of going, oh, how am I going to fix this? And you think about it and you think about it and then suddenly you have an aha moment. Do you you have any one that you remember? Yeah, I do. There's one that's probably, you know, I'd hold close to my heart because it was the, the project I used when I became chartered. Uh, there was a, a large and still is a very large industrial park in Mullingar called the Shiver Carpet Park. And it would have been the first project that I worked on. So I had, before the recession, is I had five or six years of, you know, pretty intense civil engineering design. So I would have worked on lots of projects, small, large, residential, commercial, industrial. And so I was lucky enough to see all of that. But like Shiver Park had just started there was, you know, there's four phases in that park. It's it's still being developed to this day. Um, last year only, phase four, planning permission was granted for uh, Ireland's largest film studio, Hammer Lake Studios, and I was also involved in that. So the full civil engineering design, I, I would have taken that from phase one right up to phase four over over the years, but mostly in those early years. So, you know, it's, it's one I kind of always think about and refer back to. I, I was chartered, you know, five years in, and I would have used that project a lot 
focus on the issues that we overcame. I mean, it had Ireland's largest surface water attenuation facility at one point. It it had ground stabilization. There was all manner of engineering issues to deal with. So hmm. uh, I remember that quite fondly. And, and the client in that case, uh, the man called Michael Kelly, who went on to be a mentor of mine over the years and, and, and a good friend of mine to this day. So yeah, that's that's one I'd always, I'd always think about. Tell me a little bit more, Michael, because uh, one of the things that I want to chat about a little bit later is CPD. But having a mentor in place, what did you get from Michael as a mentor? Um, look, I've been lucky to have a few mentors. Like it's it's something that's always been very important to me. And I think back to my parents, but then when I started working, the two founders in the ORS business would have been mentors in different ways. Mm. Um, and then I've I've had a couple of clients as well, uh, Michael, I just mentioned. So it's really you know it's a number of things. Like it's listening is a big one. You know, like you some days you have a bad day and you just want to talk to somebody about it and vent about it. You don't necessarily need any advice, you know, but that's that's one, one way they can be very helpful. But it's just to give you that that push on. These are people that are very experienced in business. They've seen it mm. all. Um, they've come across lots of different issues. Um, and it's something within ORS today, We as part of our CPD accreditation with Engineers Ireland, we have a mentoring facility there. So, you know, all the team are, are encouraged mm. to to seek mentors and have mentors from within the business. And like to this day, I depend on mentors for advice. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to say that. You know, it's, it's a very important part of what I do for my own personal development and continues to, to be so. So if you are listening to this and you want to bump up your career or even you just want a little bit of inspiration to kind of get back into it working again to a certain extent, how do you go about looking for a mentor? Is it somebody that needs to be nearby to you, close, or is it somebody that you search for online and pay? Mentors to me, the, the best that I found have been people close to me that I've got to know over a period of time that I've mm. gelled with, that I suppose that I, I link up well with, that understand me and understand my personality. Coaching is a little bit different. I mean, we, we work very closely in the business again with a man called Jerry Duffy, who is a motivation coach and motivation motivation speaker. And he would do a lot of coaching with our team um, in groups and singly, uh, particularly on the personal development side. So it kind of, does see, mine have come out of just people that would have been close to me, but became close to me over a period of time. Mm. And I started to realize that, you know, these people are actually mentoring me, even though I don't really know it. And um, they're people, you know, they're people you can go to for advice and, and, and they're, they're always there to pick up the phone and they don't necessarily have to be close to you. They just have to be good at it and understand you as a person. Mm, I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, hang out with the people you want to be like. That was very yeah, good. Yeah, correct. Listen, tell, tell me about uh, ORS. Tell me about the, for people who don't know about the company, give me an overview. Uh, yeah, so we are a multidisciplined building consultancy. We have nine different service lines in the business. So the more traditional things you'd expect, like civil structural engineering, project management, um, health and safety and infrastructure. And then we have five niche areas that um, stand on their own, but also feed into the first four. So the role of design certifier, um, fire safety, energy, environmental and building survey. So it started off originally as uh, 30 odd years ago as a civil and structural business with fire safety. And it's it's developed since then into the nine service lines that, that we see today. So to go back to, you know, when the recession hit originally, like people, we don't, we don't have to talk about it too much, but there's a lot of life lessons to be learned, you know, back then. But we would have, from the post-recession years, you know, for the four or five years after that, up until the economy started to kick off again, we would have had, you know, a lot of thinking about how we would restructure the business and get the business going again. And I remember 2013 when the Taoiseach at Simon Mendy Kenny started talking about green shoots and we, we would have had 
you know, a kind of a low month followed by a very successful month very quickly. And then things from then start to, to get busier again. So mm. in 2015, we started to think very deeply about what made us different as a business. So, you know, we've gone from when I joined it as a, as a student or just out of college, it was quite small and it got, it, the business got quite big very quickly. And then it scaled back when the recession happened, like most consultancies did. So in 2015, we were on the verge of scaling again, but we wanted to look back at what we learned from previous and try and take that forward to make the business better. So we started thinking about, you know, being multidisciplined obviously is, is a big draw for customers because, you know, you can get different services under the same roof. It's it's a lot easier for clients in a lot of cases, mm. you know, one point contact and all that is 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 beneficial. But the big game changer for us and thing we, we, we really started to focus on back then was the culture of the business. So when I joined the business as, when I went in as a student, there was always a very nice feel to the business. I, I mm. couldn't explain it back then. I, I now know today that's culture, but I didn't know it back then. They say that that, you know, comes or originates from founders of the business, which would have been back in the 1991, whenever it was. So we decided that we want, we wanted to work on that, formalize it, put processes around it, or really market it to, to people to try and mm. attract talent into the business around that. Well, you've done very well with it because you were won uh, Best Workplace in Ireland two years in, in a row. And I want to find out why you won that award a little later. But uh, tell me about the, uh, when you say multidiscipline with ORS, d- does this branch into areas where you're getting into modular building and, and also design and build services? Um, I do, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, so many facets to it. Like our, mm. our, simple, our simple structural team would be involved in, in some modular building. Um, our assigned certifiers would be involved in modular building. So would our fire safety mm. engineers. So, I mean, lots of projects when they come in, you know, have, you know, you could have, even your, it might be one service, it might be two, it might be five or six. So, um, and design and build is the same. I mean, we would have contractors approach us who would ask us to get involved with them and they might be just looking for civil structural or they might be looking for fire safety or they might be looking for both. Mm. And the ability to be able to adapt to that is is a key strength of the business. So let me talk about those dark days, as you mentioned, the, the 2008 financial crash when we were just like, you know, all in terrible trouble. Um, uh, one of the things you did at the time, if I'm not mistaken, was taking in charge projects. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I'm just wondering what kind of challenges you have to overcome when you're finishing a job that somebody else started. Yeah, good question. I mean, so back then, yeah like those plenty of you're talking about ghost estates and things like that. There was, there was mm. plenty of them. Um, I can remember Ireland's first ghost estate actually was an estate in Longford called Battery Court. And I remember Grant Thornton were involved and they brought us in to, to have a look at that. But that became um stable service of the business over the next few years. And there was, there was, as I said, there was lots of them. So the challenges are to bring infrastructure up to a standard that is certifiable at the end and things. But ghost estates, things essentially that the local authority are happy with. Mm. Um, so relationships with the local authority in each case are absolutely vital. Having obviously the technical knowledge to know when something is is built right and knowing what work it needs to bring it up to standard is obviously just as vital. But they, they are the two main challenges. I mean, we would have developed lots of very strong relationships with all the local authorities around our HQ at that time. And we would have been involved in, in lots of those those ghost states to bring them up. Um, and they're still, they're still the odd one even now, you know. Now, as I've mentioned, uh, RS, the company, has been recognised officially as the one of the best workplaces in Ireland. Uh, it's something that you have won two years in a row, uh, and I know that you've been nominated for many other years. 
why are you such a great place to work? I suppose, you know, back to the culture point and, and 2015 when we started thinking about the culture and how to, you know, put processor out it and market it. I mean, great place to work was was something that we had an eye on. And I remember mm. I remember going to meet the CEO called Divoli uh, back around 2016 or 17. And essentially the advice I would have got from him was that, you know, if you're going to get involved with this process that, you know, you, you need to, you know, to see it for what it is. It's a process. It's mm. about building trust. And it's about, you know, it's really about how the company uses it, utilizes it and, and handles it with, with teams. So we were very clear. It's, it's, it's essentially a 50 question survey that goes out, you know, in our case, just before Christmas every year. And all the team will answer questions about the entire business. And we always ask them to just be honest, you know, be not to be overly positive, overly negative, just to be honest with what they see and give us the constructive feedback because without the constructive mm. feedback, well, then we can't, we can't make any changes. So we, our first year was 2018, 2017, I think. And we've been, we've been ranked every year as a great place to work. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were awarded um, the position of 10th uh, in our category, which is you know, a really good achievement. There's, there's four or 500 companies that go for that each year. So the, the thing that always strikes me, you know, when we do it is that the feedback that comes back from the team is immense, you know, and the ideas that come back from the team. So mm. um, there could be very simple things like at the moment we have a Buddy Up for Spring initiative going on where people are encouraged to get together and have a cup of coffee and take a picture and post it up on our team's channel. It could be something very uh, as simple as that. It could mm. be something to do with a new rewards framework in the business. But there's, there's so many ideas and most of the ideas come from the team themselves. They don't necessarily come from management. Mm. Um, so it's something that we, we take very seriously, something that's been very successful for us uh, and something I think we'll, we'll continue into the future for sure. Have you been criticised by staff members for things that they're just not working as efficiently as they could? And have you swallowed your pride and made a change? Absolutely, all the time. I mean, that's that's what I think, you know, something that's a great place to work is, is all mm. about, is being open to to change and listening mm. to the people that, that you know, these initiatives affect more than ever, you know, or, mm. or more than more than me. So we encourage that, you know, I just had a, I mentioned our, our coach, motivational coach that we use in the business, uh, Jerry Duffy. I was talking to him last week and we were devising a, a little course for, for the team, some of the teams around constructive conflict, for example, to mm. give them the skills to be able to raise things like that if they're not comfortable to raise them. Um, interestingly, you know, there's, there's a lot of narrative out there these days about, you know, the different generations of, of, you know, workers and, and engineers. And one of the things that I would have, you know, read and seen a lot of in the last year or so is, you know, Generation Z and the graduates that are coming out now that, you know, they don't tend to criticize as much or they don't tend to come with those kind of problems. But that that's actually n- not what we've seen. You know, we've seen... No, we've, we've, it wouldn't be my experience no, either. <laughs> you know, but we, we, and we, exactly, we, we haven't, we've seen some of that absolutely, but most of the time, um, they're well able to knock on your door or give you a call on Teams and say, mm. you know, this is something that maybe could work a little bit better. I saw it in previous company or whatever. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's absolutely part and parcel of our leadership style in the businesses to be open to things like that. And then, the, as you said, the world is changing. And I think the biggest change that has happened is uh, remote working thanks to thanks to COVID. And I don't know, did you do any remote working before COVID? Uh, we did. We did, yeah. Remote Remote working is something for me. Um, anyone in the office will tell you I'm quite passionate about it. Um, the reason yeah. the reason I became passionate about it was that you know when I took over the business in in 2015-16, I decided to do an MBA. And I just felt I needed it. And you know, running the business, I very quickly learned it was a lot different than running a team. 
So I spoke to a gentleman called Brian Kennedy, who's the MD of Vision Built, a modular building company actually doing very well down in, in Galway. And he steered me towards the, the Henley MBA, which is in the UK. So I did that and, you know, you know, learned all about everything you do in, in, a, in a course like that process and mm-hmm. strategy and marketing and all that. But towards the end, you know, I needed to, to pick a subject for a thesis. And one of the challenges we were starting to see in the business at that point uh, in 2018 was remote work. So we, we were being asked about remote work and nobody was really doing it. And I remember vividly mm-hmm. one example, we had a, a, drafts, a drafts person who was very productive and efficient and he wanted to work at home and we weren't sure. And we said we tested, so we did a pilot and he worked four days at home and his productivity went up by something like 40%. So we started to look at this and analyze why this was happening. And what we, what we saw was that when he was in the office at the headquarters of Mullingar, what would happen is because he was so good at his job, he would be asked to go into a meeting on X, Y, or Z project, even though he wasn't working on it. And that would take an hour and a half, you know, two hours out of his day. Mm. And in some cases he wouldn't, he wouldn't need to contribute to the meeting. So there was a lot of distraction. So we started then to, to move into it slowly but surely. And then I did the thesis on it and did all the, the research on it. And so some of the research dusty that we came across and that we applied into the business as a result of that, it has been fascinating. I remember again, I'll give you one example. I remember seeing one stat, which always stuck with me back in 2018. Vodafone carried out a very large survey of about 3,000 companies. And back then, I think 80% of companies were saying they were going to grow in the next three years. And they also surveyed you know, a lot of staff and most people were saying the number one thing they wanted going forward was flexibility. Mm. But when they asked the companies um, if they were going to entertain that, only one in 10 said they would. So I remember seeing that stat saying, there's something coming here. Well, we can get ahead of the curve by by looking at this and, and working with it. So we, we started to remote work before COVID. So we saw all the issues uh, that, that come with it. It's not, it's not simple. It's not straightforward. And um, there's lots of things you have to think about and change. So we... You know, we, we went into COVID with that in place and, uh, mm. you know, it's been working very well since. Of course, with huge swings, everybody was working from home during COVID and now there seems to be a return to the office. How, how are you handling office attendance? Again, we, we have seven offices. So we have our main headquarters in Mullingar. We have 94 staff at the moment and we have six other hubs all around the, the, the country. So the theory is that people essentially decide every day where they're most productive, where they want to work. So there's huge trust there. The reason we do that is, again, comes back to one piece of research that we came across back uh, in 2016-17, and it was to do with policy. And you will see an awful lot of companies now bringing people back for a day a week or two days a week. Okay, and the mm-hmm. theory behind that is that obviously they need to mix and there's, a, there's an important social element there. There was, a, there was a very famous survey or piece of research done uh, I think it was NUIG actually a few years back with a lady called Professor Keller who, who, who looked into policy and how that impacts productivity and people coming back to the office. And the theory is that if you can give people that choice and give them that full choice, that, that trust gets built. They see that as a reward and then it's reciprocated with increased productivity essentially. But mm. if you start putting rules around that and policies around that and you say you must be in one day a week or two days a week, it then becomes an entitlement and that's when you see productivity drop off. So we've had, you know, numerous and hours of discussion in the company around around this and up to now we've completely resisted bringing people back in for even one day a week. 
So mm. everybody decides where they work. And I mean, like I said, it's not simple. There are loads of things in the background and systems that we have and, you know, committees that we have that work on bringing people together. So teams get, you know, get together once a month and, you know, that really helps. But giving people that choice and building that trust has been very, very beneficial for us. And we, we have no plans, you know, in the short term to bring people back in one or two days a week. ORS is very good on providing a, a challenging environment to work in, which engages the brain. So you've always got something interesting to work on. Uh, you, from what you were saying, it's great that you listen to the team and you make changes, good and bad, based on what they are saying. Uh, and you've mentioned mentors as well. Let me ask you about continuing professional development. Why do you think just the area of continuing professional development is important, particularly for engineers? Um, but look, it's it's vital for, for a number of reasons. I mean, each, each ORS team, you know, there's nine of them, as I said, and each team has their own strategy that they, they work to year on year. You know, the challenge is for every team to keep ahead of the curve and keep ahead of what's coming down the track. And it's quite unique to each team, actually, in some cases. So be it, you know, environmental legislation coming down, fire safety. So it's, it's vital to stay ahead of all of that. And then, so that's a team level. And then at the business level, there are, there are things that, that come. And one thing that's in front of me all the time, the last few months and, and year or so is ESG, environmental, social, corporate governance. So we had two of our team, Brian and Rachel, on a, a, an ESG course with IBEC yesterday um, to learn more about it. We have our strategy, but it's developing all the time. But it's becoming, it's becoming vitally important. And I mean, that all counts as part of CPD. But as engineers, you know, it's just, it's, it's obviously vital that we stay ahead of everything and make sure that we know mm-hmm. what's coming on, particularly a consultancy business like ours. Our clients expect us to do that. And Engineers Ireland do a fantastic job in, you know, making those resources available to us to, to, to give us the opportunity to continue with that CPD. So we're a CPD accredited employer for the, la- for the last number of years. and It was just mm-hmm. re-accredited last year for a further three years. And with a great team in there led by Alan Ken at the moment, who encourages everybody to keep their CPD up and meet the records. Mm. I mean, CPDs every Wednesday in the office. So it's a vital, it's a vital part of what we do. So can you tell me more about it? Like, I mean, what's the system and how does it work? So the actual, the, the CPD accredited uh, employer, I presume you mean, is, is something that's actually very similar to what we do with the Great Place to Work. It's a system and a process that's broken down into a number of different modules. And we work with them, but mentoring comes into it. Um, CPDs are part of it. Uh, personal development is a big part of it. Um, so that's just three, but there's loads of, 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 di- of different things. So like, do you mean just an example, touch on, on personal development? I mean, when I did the MBA, I mentioned earlier on, personal development was a major, major part of that for me to learn to understand why I worked the way I did, why I reacted to things the way I did, mm. to understand myself. So we've brought that into the business in a variety of ways um, using a series of personal development tools now. So this would be, Myers-Briggs would be another one. Um, we're, we have a really interesting one at the moment called the Working Genius, which was formed by a gentleman in the States called uh, Pat Lencioni, which essentially says that we all have areas of natural talent, six different areas. We, you know, some, we all like working in two. We don't mind working in the other two. And then we, we kind of, we don't get energy from the last two. So mm. everybody in, in the company at the moment is actually going through that within their teams. And all that's trying to do is to get them to understand more about themselves why they work the way they do, why they're wired the way they are. And it's a very, very powerful tool if it's used in the right way. The, the thing you have to watch with it and be careful with is that it doesn't put people into boxes. So, for example, with the, the disc profiling, there's there's different colours involved. So you have dominant people, you have people that are more into relationships, you have people that are, you know, steady, 
and careful and you, you have to make sure that mm. if somebody's branded in a particular way that they don't, that, that they don't say, well, you know, I can't do this because my cover is this. So, you know, we're aware of all of that and aware of that that has to be, I suppose, you know, managed and watched and make, make sure people understand this is just a tool to help you to understand yourself better. So that that's all part of our CPD. And as I said at the start, it comes into CPD, Accredited Employer Standard, but it also then comes into our great place to work. And I remember when we were, you know, re-accredited last year for, by, by Engineers Ireland for that next three years, they, they did actually focus a lot on that personal development side. So I believe, mm. you know, after being in any of any other businesses in that inner sector, but I believe that that approach to PD, as we call it, is a little bit unusual. So the course that you did in uh, 2018, which had made a huge change to things, was that something that was inspired by Engineers Ireland or kind of came through Engineers Ireland? I would say in a way, yes. I mean, I mean, ever since I started as an engineer, like CPD was always there, you know, and something mm. that I, I wanted to do and had to do. So learning was something that was more or less ingrained in me. Engineers Ireland certainly helped that. I mean, I mentioned like the course I did then, Actually, I was nudged that way by one of the, the founders of the company. He felt that, well, I want to say, I don't know, actually vividly going to see him one day and uh, we talked about it and, and we, we then did it. And then when I, when I spoke to different colleagues in the industry and, and people that I knew, you know, a lot of people were thinking about it as well. So yeah, back to the mentoring point, you know, I got a nudge in the right direction, felt I needed it. And certainly, you know, learning is, is a big part of what I do anyway. So I would say engineering Ireland a bit to do with it on right, yeah. You actually make uh, learning sound very inspirational. Thanks. <laughs> kind of, oh, I want to dive in and learn new things uh, uh, after chatting to you. Tell me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost uh, done for our podcast for today. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about? Um, well, yeah, one thing. I mean, we've had a, a fairly major development in the business um, over the last few months. We've, we've taken in some investment, which is the first time we, we've done it. And it's it's been a big change for us. And it's you know, something that, you know, I think has been a very good decision and there, there's a lot of kind of added energy in the business now because of it. So just to give some background on that, if, if I can very quickly, we, um, back in, in 2019, one of our founders retired and we completed a, a fairly simple and straightforward MBO. And uh, in last year, our other founder, he decided he wants to retire. So I mean, we looked at different options and an MBO at that point, like we, we just, we got more or less got too big. So it wasn't going to be as straightforward. It could have been done, but just just wasn't going to be as straightforward. So mm. we decided to look at the, the private equity route and I was attracted to that and as were our directors um, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, we, we felt that it would enable us to continue the business and continue growing the brand as we had been doing and um, focusing on the culture and all that. And um, we felt that the model of the business being multidisciplined was suited to further acquisitions and uh, bolt-ons and things like that. So that was that was one reason. And then the second reason was that we were getting exposure to um, people in funds that had a lot of experience in growing businesses. Um, mm. You know, not organically, but growing them a lot faster. So we teamed up with Eris Begg, who are an Irish fund. We deal with Andrew Murphy, Thomas Davey, Alan Kerr, Robert Burns in there, who, who all have vast experience in, in growing businesses faster. Um, and so we teamed up with them and we, we did that just before Christmas. So we're very close now to our first acquisition. We'd, we'd hope to um, complete a second one by, by the end of the year, all going well. And then obviously the, the other teams will, will grow organically as they had been before. So we're, we're expecting, you know, a lot of growth over the next three to four years. And it's, it's exciting, you know, and it's, it's bringing mm. an added energy to the business. 
So the MBO, the management buyout has been a huge success. Uh, and if you're growing, you're going to need to take on new people. Any ideas on how many you're looking yeah, for? Yeah, we, we estimate anywhere between, you know, 200 and 250 at the moment over, wow. over four years. So it's a, it's a big number. Um, and we focus, I mean, back at the cultural points, I mean, recruitment and retention is the biggest challenge in our industry at the moment. There's 100% mm. employment out there. I mean, you need as a business to do something different. And that's where, where our culture comes in. So we have a, a great team working in the background, Rachel, Aoife, Amy, Deirdre, working in the background, attracting talent, retaining talent as part of our cultural development committee. So, yeah, so I'd, I'd say to people listening in, if they're interested, just keep an eye on our, keep an eye on our website. Grant, any particular place where you're going to be opening new offices? Um, we've just opened one in Cork. Um, we have two in Donegal at the moment. The UK is is something that will probably happen next year, I would imagine. But again, back to the model, it, it just depends on where the work is and where our team come from. So mm. if we end up hiring aggressively over the next two years and we have people in places like Kerry or Waterford, we will very quickly open a hub and give them uh, a location to go to. So uh, watch the space, I'd say. Well, John Brennan, Managing Director of ORS, it's been an absolute pleasure to listen and learn from you. And thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Thanks, Dusty. Pleasure. If you would like to find out more about what we spoke about on the podcast, you'll find notes and link details in the show notes area on your player right now. And of course, you'll find more information and advanced episodes of the show on our website at engineersireland.ie. Our podcast today was produced by dustpod.io for Engineers Ireland. If you would like more episodes, just click the follow button on your podcast player to get access to all of our past and future shows automatically. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening.